This is the second day of this June 2022 seven-day session, and we'll return to our text from yesterday, uh, the teachings of Yuan Wu, uh, in a book titled Zen Letters. Yuan Wu was the uh, 11th and 12th century uh, Chinese master, famous for uh, having been the author of the uh, Blue Cliff Record, <coughs> Hekigan Roku. <coughs> and we finished uh, with one letter yesterday, and here's the next. When your vision penetrates through and your use of it is clear, these are two very different things. There's the, the seeing, and then there's the use of the application, the how it, how it works in functioning in one's life. There can be quite a gap where uh, there is the, the insight, the realization, uh, but the, a lag in being able to uh, integrate that into one's, one's life. <clears throat> When your vision penetrates through and your use of it is clear, you are spontaneously able to turn without freezing up or getting stuck amid all kinds of lightning fast changes and complex interactions and interlocking intricacies. Lightning fast changes, complex interactions and interlocking intricacies. Makes me think of the Zoom uh, Doksan process, the Doksan procedure. It uh, can get so complicated with uh, the sometimes unpredictable uh, operation of the technology. It's uh, really a great great uh, practice for all of us in uh, forbearance. Forbearance is one of the, the six paramitas, the six qualities we develop uh, in, in, in the Dharma. Forbearance, the, the Sanskrit word is kashanti. Patience, it's often translated as patience. But the Surely every one of us in our life can, can remember uh, situations, uh, emerging circumstances uh, that require us to, to turn, to, to adapt without freezing up or getting stuck. Amid complex interactions and interlocking intricacies, um, most of them involving people, the complexities of relationships, balancing things. <clears throat> Zen practice is, is not no guarantee that we will ever master these kind of things, but it enables us to do better at it, to get more proficient at it. He goes on, you do not establish any views 
or keep to any, any mental states. You move with a mighty flow so that, quote, when the wind moves, the grasses bend down. Moving with a mighty flow. Uh, being born along by things as they are, by this the river of changing conditions and circumstances, not setting ourselves apart, and uh, through practice, uh, drawing from uh, a deeper place, a deeper kind of, a surer functioning than from personal choice and ideas. This, uh, this word views, you do not establish any views. Always in Buddhist uh, context, it means uh, getting caught with a notion or idea about things. Uh, and a, uh, a, a preset idea about the way things are. This is, this is such a such a subtle affliction uh, that uh, surely we all have until, I suppose, full enlightenment. We have these views, these, um, these notions in the mind, and, and, and the really uh, troublesome ones are the ones we're not aware of. We're not aware of them. We just place them in this category of the way things are, the way the world is, the way people are. That's what these Buddhist texts mean by views. In Zen, we, we, we might say that when we have no views, we can see. See things as they are. See people as they are, instead of the boxes we put them in. Again, this phrase, when the wind moves, the grasses bend down. <clears throat> we can get a sense of this also in Sashin, especially later in Sashin, when the, the wind of uh, this collective mind, with a capital M, mind, is carrying us along. continues, when you enter into enlightenment, right where you are, you penetrate to the profoundest source. The profoundest source because it is the is essential nature, the fundamental ground.
It's not about learning. We can, through many years of working at something, particular field of of uh, work, we can uh, get eventually get to know the. I'd say, I suppose, <coughs> there are those who 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 become master chefs who then might say legitimately they've gotten to the essence of of cooking or the the essence of um, yoga or the essence of mechanics as in uh, zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance but this isn't any particular essence it's the essence Awakening reveals the essence of everything. And everyone. He says, you cultivate this realization till you attain freedom of mind, harboring nothing in your heart. Again, here there's the distinction between the realization that you then cultivate until you attain freedom. Again, that same lag, that same distinction, there's the insight and then much later comes real freedom to be able to live in accordance with what we've seen. <clears throat> Here there is no understanding, in quotation marks, to be found, much less not understanding. Even understanding, in quotes, is a thing. And uh, freedom means being free of anything, everything. <clears throat> you go on like this 24 hours a day, unfettered, free from all bonds. Since from the first you do not keep to subject and object or self and others, how could there be any, quote, Buddha Dharma? This is the realm of no mind, no contrived activity, and no concerns. How can this be judged with mere worldly intelligence and knowledge and discrimination and learning if the fundamental basis is lacking, that is, the fundamental insight into essential nature. Again, this realm of no mind, no contrived activity, no concerns, Reminds me of this uh, Zen saying, nothing distinguishes the enlightened person. 
at its at its purest that is at its most refined awakening there's no uh, artifice no no stink uh, Zen phrase meaning some some odor of uh, specialness nothing at all mere worldly intelligence, IQ, knowledge, education, these are all very laudable things to have. Is completely different from awakening. He then he raises a, a rhetorical question: Did Bodhidharma actually bring this teaching when he came from the West? Well, if he brought a teaching, if he brought to China anything, then it can't be the real Dharma. All he did was to point out the true nature that each and every person inherently possesses to enable people to thoroughly emerge clear and pure from the orbit of delusion and not be stained and defiled by all their erroneous judgment, excuse me, erroneous knowledge and consciousness and false thoughts and judgments. That's quite a basket of deplorables there. Erroneous knowledge and consciousness and false thoughts and judgments. These are the deep stains that we encounter along the path. Sooner or later, As we sand away our afflictions, our delusions, we we come into contact with these things. We realize how limited uh, is the value of knowledge. Anything acquired, learned, our thoughts are all bogus. Judgments, of course. I've heard so many people at their first sashin express horror at realizing how much they judge other people in the night silently in their thoughts. And then I always point out, and if you're judging other people, you can be sure you're judging yourself. And then we come to see that too. Usually it's judging others that is wakes us up. Uh, and then we see that we're doing the same thing to ourselves all the time. Why would it be any different when self and other are not two? They're just some kind of arbitrary division. As a general rule, I don't know if it's invariable, but as a general rule, 
whatever we're dumping on other people, we can be sure we're dumping on ourselves somewhere. We may not be aware of it. Later in the letter now, we're picking up. Once you merge your tracks into the stream of Zen, you spend your days not only spend your days silencing your mind and practicing with your whole being. Silencing your mind, practicing with your whole being. It doesn't doesn't mean just sitting. Silencing your mind by not clinging to thoughts when we catch ourselves dwelling in thoughts. Wherever we are, doesn't have to be on the mat. And that's practicing. That's Zen practice. In terms of time, the time we have in a, any given day, the sitting is the least of Zen practice. Except in Sashin, but outside Sashin, uh, practicing has to go on all the time, other than in sitting, in addition to sitting. It's the same thing. It's, it's all practice. We're using the mind in the same way. It's just a two-step process. We notice, or rather when we notice that the mind has wandered, that we're dwelling in thoughts, we bring it back to this. This can mean the practice, the koan, or it can mean whatever one is doing. But it's always in the present, bringing back back our attention to the present. This, here, now. That's practice. The posture we're in, whether we're sitting or standing or walking or running or working, vacuuming or sweeping or anything else, that's, that's secondary. <clears throat> you realize, he continues, you realize that this great cause Again, those are, it's capitalized. Great cause is not obtained from anyone else, but is just a matter of taking up the task boldly and strongly and making constant progress. Day by day, you shed your delusions, and day by day, you enhance your clarity of mind. That's how we get more clear and bright, is through that shedding of delusions. It's not really that, that we, any one of us, is shedding them. There's, it's nothing we have to make a project out of. They are shed. They're sloughed off if we're sitting every day. It's not something that any of us does. It happens as a result of the sitting. 
and and the ongoing practice uh, in addition to sitting. That famous saying, Zen is a practice of daily losing. In Sashin, uh, where this process is accelerated because of the many hours we sit, we confirm that we lose nothing by losing. That the losing is a liberating. Your potential for enlightened perception is like fine gold that is to be refined hundreds and thousands of times. Uh, What springs to mind is a an analogy uh, someone came up with um, many years ago. Someone was giving a talk in the Zendo in the 1970s. She was from Vermont, and she used the example of uh, a maple syrup, how, did, how, did, how this maple syrup is made. She, her father used to do it on, on their uh, farm, their woodsy plot there, where uh, she said, you take the, you get the sap out of the tree in the buckets, and then you know it requires a lot of burning, a lot of wood. Uh, but you you boil the raw sap from the trees, from the maples, uh, and you you boil down thirty gallons to one gallon. That's what a gallon of maple syrup is. It comes from thirty gallons of sap. Kind of a cool analogy for practice. And then he wraps up this paragraph by saying, what is essential for getting out of the dusts, what is basic for helping living beings is that you must penetrate through freely in all directions and arrive at peace and security, free from doubt, and attain the stage of great potential and great function. Of course, here he's talking about deep, deep enlightenment. Very different from just a first experience of what we call Kensho. This work is located precisely in your own inner actions. I would, I would take that to mean uh, your own mind, the way 
that you're using or misusing your attention. That's the work. At any given moment, how are we using our attention? The, uh, the Spanish uh, philosopher, writer, Jose Ortega y Gasset said, tell me to what you pay attention and I'll tell you who you are. It is just a matter of being in the midst of the interplay of the myriad causal conditions every day, in the confusion of the red dusts, amid favorable and adverse circumstances and gain and loss, appearing and disappearing in their midst without being affected and turned around by them but on the contrary, being able to transform them and turn them around. Uh, Zen, Zen Master Zhao Zhou, Joshu said, most people are used by the 24 hours. I use the 24 hours. Again, on the basis of how he uses his attention. Uh, the dust, he, in the previous paragraph, he refers to dust. Here he refers to red dusts. <clears throat> dusts are thoughts. Not, not thinking, which is useful to think our way through some problem or um, but uh, just the, the, the thoughts just drag us here and there and have nothing really to do. This kind of almost like fantasies, these thoughts, these dusts. The red dust, maybe by red, red is always a, like a, a red flag, meaning the passions. The passions... Uh, we, we, we heighten the passions, we sustain the passions, these blind passions, with our thoughts. In, in some cases, that's how it works. Like, uh, we get angry. Okay, it's, and then, and then uh, it's, it's, it's thinking about the situation, thinking about the person who has angered us that sustains the anger. Anger by itself is just a natural human response and at times. The problem becomes when we nourish the anger with our thoughts about what happened, what, what we'd like to do to the person or anything like that. That's something we have control about. The anger just can pop up out of nowhere. Uh, but then to chew on the, the matter, the person, uh, that's what 
binds us to suffering. And that's what Yuan Wu means by uh, being able to transform them and turn them around. These, the passions, let's say. Continues, when you are leaping with life and water cannot wet you, this is your own measure of power. Water cannot wet you. Water can't wet you uh, when there's no self that is reacting. It is in the in the, in the realm of no thought, no self. There's no reaction. This is, uh, I think, he's referring to equanimity, evenness, non-reactivity. You reach an empty, solidified silence. But there is no duality between emptiness and form or silence and noise. Solidified silence. Maybe a deep silence. Secure silence. Solidified is kind of a funny word in a Buddhist text since the, the essential nature of all phenomena is non-substantiality. You equalize all sorts of wondrous sayings and perilous devices and absolute perceptions. Ultimately, there is no gain or loss, and it is all your own to use. Perilous devices. I wouldn't venture to know what the translator, what the, what the original was here. You know, most of you know this from other talks or your own reading, that uh, the Chinese language is such a bear to translate. They, I've always heard or the, the language, the written language is so opaque, it's so um, imprecise, um, and it it's very much depends on the individual translator's interpretations of what is meant. When you get into reading uh, Buddhist, Zen and other Buddhist texts, you see of different different translators, you see how differently they can translate the same thing. When you go on grinding and polishing like this for a long time, you are liberated right in the midst of birth and death, and you look upon the world's useless reputation and ruinous profit as mere dust in the wind as a dream, as a magical apparition, 
as an optical illusion. There's a lot packed into this sentence. Let's, let's break it down. When you go on grinding and polishing like this for a long time, can't help but uh, think of uh, polishing a gem, a diamond, because uh, that's our mind. This mind we all uh, share is the most extraordinary of jewels. And in, in practice, and above all in Sashin, we are polishing. We are polishing and grinding. And could there be any work that is more vital to undertake and, and maintain as a human being in this grinding and polishing? And to, to, to sustain it, to persevere at it, My uh, favorite words about uh, quotations about perseverance is attributed to Calvin Coolidge, uh, American president of the last century, I think. Uh, and this is what he said, and I salute him for saying this, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. If only everyone would stay with this practice, stay with it year in, year out, for decades, you will confirm the effectiveness of it, the, the profundity of it. Stay with it. You are liberated right in the midst of birth and death. It is right in the midst of this world of suffering, of suffering based on change that we'd rather not see, things change, loss. You're liberated right in the midst of loss. And then he refers to, you look upon the world's useless reputation. It is <clears throat> the uselessness of reputation as a marker of fulfillment as, and profit. Useless reputation and ruinous profit as mere dust in the wind. 
And then the rest of that sentence is, I think, the words of the Buddha as a dream, as a magical apparition, as an optical illusion. In other words, nothing of any substance. Probably all of us have heard, oh, I don't know how common it is, but I've heard so many people on their deathbed, I mean, mostly in, in uh, books, uh, say how how liberating it is to see that what a, that what a, what a waste of time it is to be concerned about uh, reputation and profit, wealth, property. How it is seen as so unimportant. In, the, in uh, Buddhism, there are what are called the eight winds. And you can understand that as the eight winds of change. But that really means the, the, eight, um, the eight major things that human beings have to contend with because of change. One is, one, there's four pairs. First is desire and aversion. Liking and disliking. What we want, what we don't want. Fame and disrepute is the second pair that is, yeah, as opposites. Having one's reputation grow better or worse. Praise and blame. That's a big one. They're all big ones, but it's more, more commonly faced, I think, in daily life. Uh, more frequently, uh, praise and blame. So all of these eight are so un. Uh, disruptive of our peace of mind, potentially. And then the, the, the fourth pair is gain and loss. Just look at the stock market. Look at what people go through attached to the fluctuations in the stock market. Seeing this as all, all of these eight as mere dust in the wind. Then he finally says, set free, you pass through the world. Isn't this what it means to be a great sage who has emerged from the dusts of sensory attachments? Start this uh, next letter where uh, Yuan Wu quotes 
Zhao Zhao, Joshu. During my 30 years in the South, the only times I mixed mundane concerns into my mental activity were during the morning and noon meals. Yeah, I don't know quite how to take that. Let's just move on. From this, then, then this is Yuan Wu now. From this, we should realize that in carrying out this matter, the ancient worthies did not take it as a casual thing. On the contrary, they took it seriously and treated it with respect. That's how they persevered in their practice and attained insight. That's how they reached thoroughgoing clarity and never fell into empty vanity in action or speech. They took it seriously and treated it with respect. How can we not treat with respect this method that can free us, can enlighten us, It's a very, very, I think a very useful way to understand the word enlightenment is, is it happens through practice for years and years. We become enlightened. We become lighter. We become lighter because we are less burdened by this illusion of a self standing apart from others. How can we not treat with respect that which will take the weight off us in our daily lives? Again, referring to these great masters, uh, reaching thoroughgoing clarity and never falling into empty vanity in action or speech. Kind of a uh, an accessible way of understanding the root cause of suffering for human beings is uh, is the term self-centeredness. How how self-centered we are, just by constitution. And this is another thing that we expose through ongoing practice. One author put it, I think, in a very memorable way. He said, when, when you look at a, at a group photo that you're in, who do you look at first? Other translators have called it uh, self-partiality. Uh, it's so deep. I mean, the word deep doesn't capture it how much through our conditioning, through our inheritance as a form of animals, how we are disposed to see things circling around us, are at the center of things. That's what the, this translator uh, renders as vanity, empty vanity in action or speech. And the that's just action or speech. What about thoughts? The thoughts 
that almost continuously going through the mind about oneself, constantly thinking about oneself. Well, this is, this is what we're up against with serious practice. And it is daunting as it seems. Uh, we just have to persist at it. It works. I can't speak of any absolute transformation, but it, it, it does work. We, we get lighter. Our time is up. We'll stop now and recite the four vows.